Ah, it's Jade Kolf at the Kolfman coming at you with the heat on today's program, No Holds Barred. And today, coming up on the show, we're talking hoops, plenty of stuff going on there. We are going on to boxing, huge boxing yesterday in Brisbane, uh, controversial stuff, and we are talking Wimbledon Tennis Championships. Coming up next, No Holds Barred. You know what, I'm, uh, I'm really pumped for today's show, I really am, we have got an absolute ripper, um, I'm going to start today's program talking hoops, yes as we know NBA action, NBA free agency going on, so I'm going to start, start the top of the program uh, with that, there's been some goings on and some dealings uh, overnight, um, the big one there well, I mean, there's quite a few things that have gone on, but uh, the first one there that uh, we're going to start with, Paul Millsap uh, has signed with the Denver Nuggets uh, for $90 million over three years. Um, so a nice cool $30 million uh, in the back pocket per year for Millsap. Pretty good coin in anybody's language. The, uh, the new collective bargaining agreement is just skyrocketed salaries in the NBA. And uh, Millsap is a, is a nice guy. Uh, a nice player, a bit of versatility in the small forward position, um, does a little bit of everything, going to give you 15, 15 to 16 points a game, you know, eight rebounds, a few assists. Uh, he's a nice addition there for the Nuggets, but really uh, Millsap deciding to sign with the Nuggets shows exactly where his priorities are, and that is not winning an NBA championship because the Denver Nuggets are nowhere near it. So Millsap heading off to Colorado to... Uh, to pick up some uh, nice change there. Um, so uh, there was some interest with Millsap. There, there were some clubs such as, uh, you know, the Houston Rockets had shown a little bit of interest there. That would have been, uh, you know, I would have thought that was a good fit for Millsap. They're going to win a lot of games next year. The Rockets upwards of 60 games, and we all know that um, they are up and about and looking to uh, to impact and challenge the Golden State Warriors out west. So Millsap moves on to Denver for $90 million. Um, the big one, uh, which we know about, Gordon Haywood. He's been wined and dined by the Boston Celtics over the last uh, the last 24 hours, and um, you know, looking to reunite with his old college coach at Butler, Brad Stevens. I think this is the place where Haywood ends up, uh, without a doubt. This is uh, to me, this is an absolute no-brainer. Go and play. Uh, Go and play some basketball in Beantown, Boston. Uh, raving fans, one of the one of the great franchises in in all of sports. Um, and uh, I think uh, I think this is a good move for Haywood. So there, he's been wine and dine down there uh, in Boston, which is which is a good thing. They need to pull out all stops. They need to do something. Danny Ainge needs to do something. He needs to land one of these guys because. He's got about 25 draft picks in the back pocket, but unfortunately draft picks don't equal uh, on-court talent in the form of uh, a formidable NBA team that's going to challenge, realistically challenge for the title. Now, we know the Celtics this year made theirs in conference finals, but they were nowhere near it when they were matched up against uh, 
LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. So uh, they need to land Haywood. Obviously, they missed out on Paul George. He's in OKC, much to my uh, much to my enjoyment. Um, so Haywood, stay tuned with this one here. I expect him to be with the Celtics after this weekend. Um, the other one, which is a which is a good one, and I've you know I took a look at this and it kind of made me laugh. Uh, Kyle Lowry has signed a three-year deal to stay with the Toronto Raptors at $100 million. So some really, really nice, solid uh, change there for Lowry. But what I did find funny was he actually talked about wanting to win a ring. Uh, So I don't know. The Toronto Raptors and winning a ring, they don't really go hand in hand. Uh, They were nowhere near it again this year. They seem to be... uh, you know, there are a couple of really marquee players away from doing that. Toronto has never been a destination for free agents. So I really don't know what Kyle's on about there. He could have gone somewhere else, uh, a different situation that would be uh, would be a better choice in terms of uh, winning a championship. So, um, again, I think Lowry, uh, believe the Raptors could, could, could pay Lowry more money than, than anywhere else. Um, so he settled there in Toronto uh, for three years with uh, on a hundred million dollars. So um, you know, hey, well done to Kyle Lowry. He's a great player, but uh, you know, in the Eastern Conference, they've got to get through Cleveland. They've got to get through Boston, and without any major additions in this free agent market, which I don't see them getting, uh, I don't see them uh, improving at all at this stage. But uh, Kyle Lowry staying put in Toronto. Good for him, good for Toronto basketball fans. Take a look at this right here. We've got uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves continue to make moves, and this is a nice piece here. I'm looking at here, Taj Gibson has been picked up by the Minnesota Timberwolves. He's signed as a free agent, which gives them a fourth, a legitimate fourth piece to their puzzle. Um, He goes across there and joins uh, star player Jimmy Butler. We all know Jimmy, he uh, came across from the Chicago Bulls in that uh, that draft night trade, uh, the Chicago Bulls. I mean, these guys are in absolute freefall. I uh, really don't know what they're doing. No direction whatsoever. They're in. Uh, they're going to have to be in uh, total rebuild at this stage. Uh, so the Bulls not going well at all. But Gibson comes across to the T Wolves to join uh, the massive unit out of Kentucky, Carl Anthony Towns. The big seven-footer who's who's good for 25 and, and 10 boards plus over the next decade. Uh, and uh, Andrew Wiggins, uh, the wing player. So they've got Towns, Wiggins, Butler, and now Taj Gibson. Now, Jimmy Butler coming across, he's going to be the main guy there, uh, I believe, on the perimeter. Wiggins is a nice piece, but I don't think he's got that alpha dog in him, that killer instinct. Um, so he doesn't have to do that now. Because uh, Butler's going to be that guy, Wiggins can just uh, can just chip in wherever you know wherever need be. And Towns, obviously down low, uh, one of the most dominant big men in the league, he can do it all. And Gibson comes across about six ten, long arms, plays great defense, can hit the outside shot. He's been the the sixth man of the year before, I believe, uh, in the NBA. So um, a great move this from Minnesota. This gives them four pieces that. Uh, 
that can legitimately catapult the Timberwolves into contention in the Western Conference. And I don't say that lightly. Um, they're good now to, to win 50, 55 games uh, just with these pieces alone. So if they can shore up that bench, you know, 55 to 60 wins may be a possibility for this team. Um, you know, they're about to explode. So huge move there from Minnesota. They're doing great things. It's good to see. They're out there making some things happen. They're not just sitting back and watching um, the Golden State Warriors and, um, you know, their dominance. They're like, you know what, the time is now. We've got some pieces. They've brought in Butler and Gibson, two veteran guys that played together in Chicago at the Chicago Bulls. And uh, these guys uh, add class. They add toughness. They add experience. And uh, exciting times if you're a T-Wolves fan. Um, on that note, we're going to talk New York Knicks. Talking about free fall, um, what a diabolical franchise this is. These guys have been uh, in the doldrums for almost 20 years now. Such a long time. And uh, Carmelo Anthony, let's talk about him. He's got a no-trade clause in his contract. And this is how well the Knicks are going. Carmelo Anthony has, has gone to management and said, you know what, I've got a no-trade clause, but let's waive that clause because I want out. I've had enough of this. And the Houston Rockets and the Cleveland Cavaliers are sniffing around. Uh, they are looking to add Anthony to their stocks. Uh, so the Rockets, you know, Mello, CP3 and James Harden would be uh, a great trio there. Um, so, uh, you know, look out for that one there. And the Cleveland Cavaliers obviously teaming up with LeBron James there in Cleveland. Uh, that would be formidable as well to have Mello... LBJ, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Love. Um, so keep your eyes peeled on this one here. Carmelo Anthony, be very surprised if he is in our New York Knicks uh, jersey next season. So look for him to bounce to one of those two teams there. Um, they'll be looking to do a deal there, without a doubt, to, uh, to get him out of town. And uh, the New York Knicks and the Chicago Bulls, two franchise, two big market franchises um, that are really... Uh, putting their hand up for uh, the prize of the worst run or the most uh, diabolical organisation in uh, in the NBA. Um, so, well done to those two uh, those two teams there, without a doubt. But Mallow, look for him to move on um, to uh, either the Rockets or the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'd like to see him join uh, the Rockets. I like that fit. That uh, with CP3 and James Harden there. Um, Mallow to have another scorer on the perimeter uh, where you know he can give you 20 to 25 on on, on any night. I think that catapults those guys uh, into a, a 60 plus win team and that uh, definitely puts them in the conversation to challenge uh, the Golden State Warriors. Now they need a few more pieces, don't get me wrong um, but Harden, Chris Paul and Carmelo Anthony are three of the best going around and that definitely adds uh, to their team. Yeah, the uh, the Rockets, huh? They're really making a run. For, they're really making a run at this thing. Uh, if they can add Mello, that's a whew, that's a big piece. Uh, he's dynamite on the offensive end. And uh, last but not least, on the uh, on the hoops on the NBA, um, just wanted to mention. Uh, you have a look at all these escalating salaries that are taking place. Um, there is a salary cap, um, as we know, but. Um, you know the amount the amount of money that uh, some of these owners are up for uh, with the tax bills. Um, just just because teams are forced to uh, 
outlay more money just to just to compete. I mean, the Golden State Warriors have taken this thing to a whole new level. Yeah, and then they got Steph Curry cheap on his first contract after uh, after he got it, he was drafted into the league, um, but now he's just obviously just signed the richest uh, contract in NBA history, a two hundred million dollar contract. Um, they have Kevin Durant there as well uh, to re-sign Iguodala has just signed for another three years, which takes them well and truly over the uh, over the salary cap. So they're up for uh, huge amounts of money on the tax bill. Um, but some of these other teams, even teams that uh, really are, are mediocre, or when I say mediocre, I just say run of the mill. Obviously, not not elite with the the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors and, and teams of that that uh, that magnitude. But um, you know, teams such as the Toronto Raptors that. Uh, you know, first and second round uh, teams in the playoffs, whether they're in the East or the West, that are being forced to, uh, you know, just load up with the salaries and, and the tax bills are, are mounting and mounting uh, some really crazy numbers that are going on. And uh, I just think that's interesting in regards to that to, to where the league is. I remember, uh, you know, not long ago, if, if teams were going over the, uh, over the salary cap, and they were being taxed uh, taxed over that. It was looked as uh, a, a major, major liability. Owners were very reluctant to do that. But now, um, with these massive contracts, with a new collective bargaining agreement, um, you take a look at some of these numbers, and teams are just blowing out the salary cap, and the tax bills are mounting, and they're mounting, and, and some of these owners um, clearly are, uh, are not, uh, not as reluctant to, to pay the tax bill. Uh, so there's some major, major commerce going on in the NBA right now, major, major business. The uh, the league is exploding uh, and salaries will continue to, to skyrocket and um, the salary cap will continue uh, continue continue to be broken uh, if, as long as there's uh, clubs looking to, uh, you know, trade for and sign... Uh, the best free agents on the planet, whether they sign three or they sign four, they're willing to blow out the salary cap um, just because that is the formula to be successful in the league uh, these days. Um, you're listening to No Holds Barred. You know, I just love this NBA stuff. They do such a good job. I mean, the, the season's been over for, you know, over a month now. And with the NBA draft and free agency, it's just it's it's just going berserk over there. It's fantastic. But in saying that, I just want to segue into uh, into some boxing. Uh, I want to talk about what I uh, what I saw yesterday and what went down there at SunCorp Stadium uh, in Brisbane. What a spectacle yesterday! Uh, Manny Pacquiao and Jeff Horn uh, pummeled each other for 12 rounds there uh, in a what can only be described as a controversial fight. Um, great to see uh, Horn really uh, really step up to the plate there and and give Manny all he could handle. Um, 50,000 people packed in there to SunCorp Stadium. It was an unbelievable spectacle to you know have the open stadium there. Uh, really looked like a bit of a throwback to some of the, the classic uh, boxing championship fights over the years. I think they should do more of that. I th- thought it was great, uh, you know, watching it on TV, let alone actually being there. Um, 
And we all know about Manny Pacquiao. Um, this guy is one of the all-time greats, if not the best that uh, we've just about ever seen. And I do not say that lightly. Uh, people may go, oh, well, you know, based on what? Well, based on the fact that uh, he's uh, an 11-time world champion. He's not just a world champion. He's an 11-time world champion in eight different weight classes. Uh, and if you have any respect for the, for the fight game, um, you would know how special and how great that truly is. Uh, eight different weight classes uh, is truly phenomenal. It's tough to be a world champion in one weight class, let alone eight. So, uh, you know, Manny Pacquiao deserves, uh, deserves to be on the Mount Rushmore uh, of, of, uh, of the greatest boxers of all time. Um, but yesterday, um, what went down, it was uh, really an incredible spectacle. Uh, and uh, Manny Pacquiao in the ninth round... Um, really, uh, really uh, took to uh, took to Horn and looked like Horn was going to get knocked out. Uh, he was in uh, in real trouble there. The referee coming over at the end of the ninth and, and basically saying, "Look, I'm going to stop it." Uh, and and Horn pleading to to continue, "Don't stop it. I'm going to be okay." And the referee basically stating, "You need to show something here, otherwise um, it's uh, it's curtains." Uh, and Horn somehow was able to hold on and not only hold on, but he got the decision as well. Uh, and look, a controversial decision, a unanimous decision over Manny Pacquiao, that definitely wasn't the fight that I saw. Uh, if anything, uh, you know, give it a split decision. But I think the judges got this one uh, very, very wrong, um, you know, because there's no way that that was a unanimous fight. Now, it looks real bad now um, around the globe because, you know, the hometown fighter got the, the home uh, hometown decision. Uh, but... When it's all said and done, boxing cannot hide away from the controversial uh, decisions and uh, judging and so forth that goes on with these title fights. Uh, they're renowned for that, and I think that's one of the major reasons why they're slipping behind in the fight game when it comes to the attention graph with the, the mixed martial arts, uh, mixed martial arts with the, with the MMA. Um, you know, there's no such uh, controversy that goes on there. It's pretty, uh, pretty cut and dry, but... Um, you know, disappointing to uh, with the backlash that's going on now for for Horn, uh, the greatest moment of his life up until now, and uh, he's forced to deal with this uh, this speculation. And uh, look, the eye test says that it was a it was a split decision fight. Uh, I thought personally, I thought Manny probably won the fight based on that ninth round. Uh, you know, the numbers stack up for the Pac-Man. Uh, you know, he uh, he landed a hundred and uh, you know 132 182 punches to Horn's 92. Uh, at a 32% clip, where Horn had a 15% clip, and you know the eye test says that Horn, he basically looked uh, looked like Rocky Balboa when Creed beat him to an absolute pulp in the first in the first instalment of the of the Rocky series. So, you know, based on that, uh, I don't know how that could be a unanimous decision. That's uh, totally totally uh, off the charts there with that decision. Um, but the history books say we've got a new world champion. Uh, the great thing is these two look like they're going to tangle again, possibly in Melbourne at Hedy, at Etihad Stadium. They had a, a rematch clause in the uh, in the contract, which is great. I think Manny may have slightly just underestimated uh, Horn's toughness, came in a little underdone. I don't think that will happen uh, next time they fight later on in the year. So even though Pacquiao, I think, uh, came in maybe a little bit underdone, uh, I still think uh, he was probably the better man on the uh, on the day. Um, you know, you can't avoid those numbers there. 
those are uh, those facts with those uh, those percentages. Um, you yeah, full credit to Horn though. He just come in, he bar- he barraged in with a bit of a street fighter mentality. Uh, you know, throwing some headbucks headbutts in there. He made it uh, really made the fight uh, a little bit dirtier than what. Um, you know, than what Pacquiao would have liked, but hey, you know, the tactics come into it, and he's just going to fight his style of fight, um, but hey, I'm looking forward to that rematch later on in the year, possibly at Etihad Stadium down there in Melbourne, probably a, a late November, uh, early December fight, and uh, in fact, I could possibly see myself down there checking that out live, I think that one is not to be missed, to see uh, the great Manny Pacquiao um, go at it live. Is something that uh, <clears throat> would be uh, would be great to see. One of the greatest athletes uh, that we've definitely seen uh, for this generation and in this in this lifetime. So I think uh, Pacquiao and Horn Super Fight Two uh, could be a beauty. Hey, they could go three times. I think if Pacquiao gets the next one, hey, why not do a trilogy? Um, that would be something else to see. This is no holds barred. Yeah, it was a good fight yesterday, huh? <clears throat> Those guys were going at it. That was a throwback. That was like an old school fight. That did look like something uh, out of the Rocky movies. I can't wait for the for the second one. But let's get on to some tennis. We need to talk about Wimbledon. Um, this show is getting away from us here. Wimbledon Championships starting tonight <clears throat> from the All England Club. Uh it's going to be two weeks of uh, amazing tennis. We need to get in there and talk about some matchups um, and uh, who are the favourites, who are not the favourites, uh, how the Australian boys are looking, uh, and girls for that matter. Um, but uh, yes, starting tonight, and uh, I think the favourite uh, for the for the two weeks at uh, at this stage is the great Roger Federer. He's been in phenomenal form uh, throughout this year. He's been. Uh, you know, very picky with his schedule. Did not play uh, the French Open, uh, the clay court events there, uh, based around the fact he wanted to be ready to go uh, here at Wimbledon. And I think he deserves firm favouritism because the elite players and the superstars uh, on the men's side are falling around, are falling apart around him. Uh, Andy Murray um, has had a terrible season for for his standards and uh, you know obviously the current current world number one I think he's battling some serious niggling injuries uh, Novak Djokovic is not the player that he used to be he's battling uh, some off-court issues as well um, he's not as mentally as strong or he doesn't have the will or the the desire it seems to be uh, at this stage so he's uh, he's not the same player as he used to be um, and then you have uh, the only one who's really uh, clipping it uh, at Rogers' heels this year is uh, Rafa Nadal. Um, but, you know, winning a 10th French Open there uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, absolutely phenomenal, like 10 French Opens. I mean, there's just ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous numbers um, from the from the Spanish, uh, Spanish ball. But Wimbledon, you've got to give the advantage to Roger, the slick grass. Um, um, but wouldn't it be great to see a, a Federer versus Nadal final there at the All England Club um, so action is starting tonight some of these first round matchups Novak is playing uh, Martin Kleisen from Slovakia and it's not going to have it all his own way Kleisen is a dangerous dangerous player, a lefty out of Slovakia has won, uh, won over over 10 titles on the ATP tour, no mean feat so don't expect Novak to have that all his own way 
Um, Federer has got the toughest mat- matchup out of the out of the big guns. He's playing uh, Dolgopolov, a tricky customer. Has been top fifteen before in the world. Uh, I think Dolgopolov will come out trying to swat everything. Hit winners. Uh, he plays an entertaining brand of tennis, but uh, you know, of course, you'd expect Roger to move on through there. Um, Nadal is playing uh, Australian John Millman uh, from Brisbane. Good to see Johnny Millman back on deck. Uh, he's battled some some serious injuries over the last 12 to 18 months. Has a, a pretty unforgiving style, Johnny, uh, but he's all heart. And uh, you know, to have uh, have him up against Nadal first round, uh, he's going to give Nadal everything he, he possibly can. But obviously, expect Nadal to get through uh, that one there. Um, with the Australian boys. Um, Nick Kyrgios in action tonight. He plays uh, the Frenchman Her- uh, Herbert. Herbert. Uh, he's a former number one doubles player in the world. He's just started to get his singles uh, ranking up over the last couple of seasons. Um, he's a tricky customer, but Kyrgios, you would you would hope, has too much firepower there uh, for the for the tricky Frenchman. Um, we've got uh, Bernie Tomic playing Misha Zverev, uh, the the tricky lefty, 29 in the world. Uh, he's a grass court player. His style, he likes to serve and volley, likes to come to the net. And we all know what Zverev did to uh, Andy Murray at the Australian Open earlier on this year. So a tough one there for Tomic, but I think that one could go either way. Um, but he really needs to get back on track, Tomic. Um, really needs an attitude adjustment. And, um, you know, to play tennis at the highest level and to compete, he needs to, uh, he needs to compete a lot harder if he's to uh, fulfill his potential. He's a long way from that. Uh, and uh, the youngster from South Australia, Tanasi Kokonakis, he's got a he's got a shot. He's got a tough one. He plays the Argentinian Del Potro in round one. Good to see Tanasi back on tour, getting a couple of quality wins. And it's just about it whether or not he can string some uh, some major major victories together at the highest level without his body uh, breaking down. Uh, he's six foot five. Uh, he's a superb athlete, but he's just one of those athletes that. Uh, Something seems to be wrong all the time. It's very, very, very unfortunate for Tanasi. He's a, he's a lovely fellow, uh, and we wish him all the best against uh, Del Potro. I hope Tanasi can, uh, can string some victories together or just string some matches and, and see out the year um, consistently without breaking down. That would be great if he could get six months' worth of uh, quality tennis on tour in. But, uh, geez, Del Potro, a huge match up there. Delpo, I mean... Good grief! If you ever get courtside with uh, with Delpo, I mean that's one guy who uh, hits at uh, maximum velocity. I mean that thing has got some serious heat on it. So that's a tough one, tough one there for Tanasi. But um, the next one uh, I want to talk about, I want to just talk about briefly. Uh, Grigor Dimitrov is up against uh, the Argentinian uh, clay quarter Diego Schwartzman. Schwartzman. Uh, a diminutive Argentinian, about five foot six. There's not much of him. Uh, as I said, does his best work on clay. Um, you'd expect Dimitrov to get through. Fans out there probably remember Dimitrov from, uh, you know, the Australian Open this year. He was electric, uh, blazed his way through to the semi-finals, playing um, sublime tennis, really maximising his potential, which is something that I believe he's failed to do up until this point in time in his career. It's a real shame that, but he looked like he was really on track. Gave Nadal absolute fits, all he could handle in that semi-final, um, and and that was great. He was the hottest player for the first couple of months of the year, uh, Dimitrov. But he's just cooled off slightly since then. Has been un- unable to maintain that level, and he's probably looking for a, a good showing here at Wimbledon to get his season back on track. Uh, 
to get back in the top 10 where he belongs. It's the consistency that has uh, been Dimitrov's downfall over the years. Um, but he needs a good event here, a good tournament here. And what better way to get back on track than a, a fourth round or a quarterfinal showing at Wimbledon. And I'd like to see him do that so fans can actually see his athletic talent and ability uh, on a global level. Uh, he comes from great stock, Dimitrov, I think. I think both his parents uh, were both Olympians for Bulgaria. I believe his father was uh, an Olympian uh, wrestler and his mother uh, a track athlete. Something along those lines anyway. So it comes from tremendous stock. I mean, both parents Olympians. Um, so it's no, uh, it's no uh, surprise when you see uh, the Bulgarian uh, player get around the court when he's in full flight. He is, uh, he is great to watch. So hopefully a, a good event uh, for Dimitrov starting tonight. Uh, against Schwartzman. Uh, and last but not least, uh, a matchup tonight that uh, really has got sentimental value uh, for myself. Andy Murray, world number one, is first up on centre court and he's taking on uh, the Kazakhstan crusher, young Alexander Sasha Bublik. Uh, now, the backstory to this is uh, I was flown over to. Uh, Delray Beach, Florida, in December of last year, uh, to be one of the coaches for the Kazakhstan uh, Davis Cup team uh, over there. Uh, I said in Delray Beach uh, for a four-week uh, training camp in preparation for the ATP Tour season for for this season. And uh, Alexander Bublik was uh, was in that squad. He was around about 210 in the world at that time, 19 years of age, and I spent uh, a month with uh, Alex and uh, the national team there. Uh, training and coaching in preparation preparation for this season. Uh, from there, uh, down to Melbourne for the Australian Open, and big uh, big Alex was in qualifying and won three matches in qualifying, and then upset uh, Lucas Pui, uh, the fifteenth ranked player in the world at the time. Uh, uh, Lucas Pui, the Frenchman. Uh, in the first round in four sets to make the second round. So it was a huge result for Alex. Uh, he's sitting around about 130 in the world right now. He was a uh, lost in the last round of qualifying there at Wimbledon uh, to Daniel Brands, the, uh, the big German, 12-10 in the fifth set. Uh, Alex was organising uh, a trip to Italy to, to play another tournament. Uh, and uh, he got the call up from, uh, from the tournament basically saying, hold your horses there, young fella. Uh, we are... Uh, there's uh, there's been an injury. You're a lucky loser, uh, and his name was drawn out of a hat uh, to go into the draw. Not only did it go into the draw, but uh, his first up opponent is Andy Murray, starting on centre court tonight. So uh, it's definitely a popcorn match. Let me tell you uh, to to uh, to uh, help Alex out at the uh, at the Davis Cup training camp, and then down at Melbourne uh, during the Australian Open. Um, to get to know him uh, quite a bit. He's a real competitor. He's got a bit of crazy about him, uh, that's for sure. Um, and he's a real entertainer. He's got a two-hand backhand. He's about six foot five. Huge serve, huge forehand. Grass is going to suit his game. So tonight is high-octane entertainment. Uh, you need to check it out. Murray versus Bublik. It should be a real beauty. Really, really, really looking forward to that one. It should be, uh, should be a ripper. Um, you know what I talk about? Alex has got a bit of crazy about him. Quick story. Australian Open qualifying. I think he played the uh, the Belgium um, Ruben Bemelman's second round. I was there uh, was there courtside and Alex just couldn't get into the match. Was super tight. Was down a set and three love and basically his bags were packed. 
um, to uh, to head out of Melbourne, and he snapped a racket. He looked over uh, at courtside, snapped a racket over his leg like it was a twig. This thing basically disintegrated like a toothpick, uh, really Marat Safin style. Um, you know, made a real mess of it. And from there, totally freed him up. And from there, he just swatted forehand winners and served aces and bombs, unplayable serves, for the rest of the match and won in three sets and basically tore Bemelmans to shreds. Um, then qualified, won, won round three, and then beat Pui, the 15th-ranked player in the world, destroyed him in in, um, in four quick sets. Um, so, yeah, huge game. Very, very big talent. Really looking forward to... Really looking forward to that one tonight. Hopefully he can make a, a really good account of himself against the world number one. So, looking forward to it. So, what a show. Told you it was going to be a cracker. So much going on, so much going on. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a ripper. We'll be back tomorrow. More Wimbledon tennis, more NBA free agency. This is No Holds Barred. See you tomorrow. you just heard was made using anchor ever thought about making your own podcast anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started it's a one-stop shop for recording hosting and distributing podcasts best of all it's a hundred percent free sign up now at anchor.fm new that's anchor.fm new to get started